you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Amen. Uh, Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we open your word together today, uh, would you open our hearts to uh, receive you, our ears to hear you, and our eyes to see you. In your name, amen. We're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to encourage you, um, <clears throat> if you haven't already, I mentioned this a number of weeks ago, um, there are, if you're ever looking for a good Bible app, uh, just search Bible in your app store. It's called the Version Bible app. Uh, believe it or not, it's made by a covenant church. So I'm real proud of that. It's like the best Bible app. It's got every translation, the Version Bible app. You can highlight things. You can listen to it. If you're, if you're like me and it's hard for you to read like long stretches of scripture sometimes, you can read it and listen to it. I know a lot of confirmation kids do that. They really like it. You can listen to it on the road. Um, Highly recommend, and then it's always with you on your phone, um, or you can get a, a little Bible to go with you too. But yeah, that's the Version Bible app. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to be in kind of the end of chapter 5, starting in verse 11 is what we're looking at today. And so I'll never, if you're ever in church and I catch you looking at your phone, I'll just assume you're reading the Bible. So, so no judgment, uh, no worries about that. Uh, it's funny, when I was, uh, I don't know, probably like 12 or 13, um, if you've ever met my dad, this wouldn't surprise you at all, but he's kind of an early adopter of technology, and he used to sit in the front row of our church, and I'm sure he still does, and he'd have his, like, his personal digital assistant, if you remember those, um, like Palm Pilot, and he'd put it up on his lap, and he'd have a keyboard for it, and he would take notes on the sermon, and everybody's like, what is that guy doing? I remember the first time he was here, he like brought out his laptop, like the front row, and it's going, and everybody's like, is he like working? Or, uh, so you'll never get any shade from me from looking on, for looking on your phone uh, in church, though maybe I should have a little, but. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, there you go. First Corinthians five, or Second Corinthians five eleven. Um, it was funny as I was getting ready for for this uh, Sunday. Uh, I started kind of looking through um, some things on Monday, really briefly. The Sunday before, still in Colorado, and I was like, I wonder what I preached about the first time I came back into the new year in 2020 because it's been such a crazy year. And I noticed written in my notes. Um, <laughs> And because I've got this tablet, and in my own hand was, was phew, I'm glad that year is over. <laughs> That's what I said at the beginning of, of this year. <laughs> and it really hit me. It was like, oh, you know, on, on January 1st of 2020, I thought, man, Jan- or 2019, boy, that was a crazy hard year. Uh, and it, it really got, it got me thinking um, that if I'm going to start waiting for a year to not be crazy, to like live my life or whatever, um, I'm going to be waiting a long time <laughs> because before anything happened this year, um, you know, so, and it's funny, you know, and everybody was, you know, joking, right? On January 1st, 
uh, the new year came, and, and I thought, phew, I'm glad 2020's over. It's going to be easier. Uh, things are looking up, uh, and it's been crazy. There's always something else. Um, you know, I was struck um, watching the news on, on Wednesday, uh, and uh, some of the images of people carrying, the one that hit me was people carrying the Christian flag into the uh, capital as a part of a riot. <laughs> um, and it kind of broke my heart. And, and normally, you know, I don't really like to talk about uh, stuff that sounds political or whatever, but when people are adopting uh, the image of Christ and using that in a, in a violent way, we do have to say something. And that is that that is not what Christ calls us to do. Um, before this week ended, you know, you've probably heard that, that five uh, people have died as a result of what happened at the Capitol, including one of the police officers that was protecting it. Um, you know, last week, um, it's, it's been crazy. I mean, this whole world just feels like it's coming apart. You know, our country hit, hit 4,000, um, more than 4,000 daily deaths to the coronavirus last week for the first time ever. Um, and this last year, for me, just being honest, more than any other year in my life, the second probably being uh, you know, 2001, after the September 11th attacks happened, it's been scary, hasn't it? Things have happened that I never expected, that I never anticipated. It's been disheartening. People have acted towards others in ways that have blown my mind that I didn't think were possible. It's been disturbing. I've, um, <laughs> I've done things and been <laughs> harsh with people or hard on people in ways that I never thought I would. This year has been hard. I can't think of a time in my own very short life where the world didn't se seem more broken than it feels right now. Um, I don't think there's been a time in my life where sin and evil seems more obvious, where division is more pronounced, where people are just ready to tear each other apart. And if you're anything like me, um, you've been hoping and praying for a miracle. Uh, and that's what I'm praying for, for, for God uh, to do something, for God to work, for God to bring healing or reconciliation, or even just like turn the temperature down from 11 to 10, you know, the volume down from, from 11 to 10. Uh, if you're like me, maybe you've been praying for the world to change back to normal, whatever that means for you. Um, but I think all of us, and, and I don't mean just people in this room and people online, I think uh, all of us, maybe around the world, maybe in our nation, we are uh, desperate for something better. We just want to move on. Many of us are uh, desperate for something better and, and also afraid that things might get worse. And we're wondering, where is God in that? What does it look like to be a Christian in a time uh, like this? Uh, I think most of us, myself included, are, are hungry for a new world for something new, to wake up and snap our fingers and, and have something new, back to normal, uh, healed, reconciled, what, whatever. Um, and one thing that I've noticed, even just this last couple weeks watching, watching the news and listening to what all the different people are, are saying, is that um, human beings um, are really good at taking that real good hunger for a new world that desperate desire for something better, that fear and regret and loss. And they're good at taking that hunger and then using it to direct our actions. Um, 
to, to do things. And, and often what they'll say, and, and they don't say it in these words, but I think our whole culture, our whole world, everybody says this. They say, you know how you feel this way. You know how things are bad. You know how things are chaotic. You know how things are crazy. Don't worry. I'll fix it if you do what I want you to do. <laughs> if you follow me, um, it, I'll fix this. I'll slay the dragon. I'll defeat the enemy and win. He says, the problem is, and people say this in our world all the time, the reason you feel that way, they say it's because of them, <laughs> The reason you feel that the world is broken, our world is really good at saying, is because of of that guy or that woman or that person or that group. It's their fault, and if we can stop them, then the world will be new. And and I don't care what uh, team you like more than others. If you're more a Broncos fan or a Packers fan, um, the solution to all the world's problems is the elimination of whoever sits on the other side of the field. And when you go to the other side of the field, they'll say, well, we'd probably be able to solve all the world's problems if we could just get rid of the people on that side, if we could just destroy the enemy, and then the good people will work out okay. And some people, um, some people think the Bible tells a story like this. Um, some people think that the, the story of the Bible is, well, uh, instead of choosing um, this team or that team, um, choose, choose God's team and destroy uh, the people that aren't on God's team, right? Go to church, uh, fight against and turn your back on non-Christians, vote a certain way, give money to certain people, read the Bible, and then we can get rid of the bad people and we can save the world uh, with us good people. Some people believe inside the church and outside the church that um, God is, God's is just one more side to choose, that faith is just one more side to choose. It's, you know, you can be on the Broncos, you can be on the Democrats, you can be on the Republicans, you can be on the Packers, or you can be on the church team. And, and maybe we should uh, choose the church team, the church team can defeat uh, the bad people. Um, some people believe that, that that's what this is, that this is just one more community, one more group to all agree together and to, to defeat the enemies with its own rules, with its own enemies, with its own practices. But I believe that the Bible tells a, a categorically different story. Um, uh, the story that is in Scripture is not a story about um, choosing the right team and destroying all the others. Um, I believe that the Bible actually totally reframes that conversation because in Jesus' day, uh, they had a bunch of teams too. Uh, they had different names, some of them, right? We talk about this all the time. Some of them were called Pharisees. Some of them were called Jews. Some of them were called Gentiles. Some of them were called Roman officials. Some of them uh, in, in the Jewish community were called zealots, and they thought if we could, if we could kill um, the Romans, then the world would be better, and the Pharisees thought if we can get rid of those crazy zealots and work with the Romans, the world will be better. Um, and Jesus steps into that world that's just like our world, and he, he tells a totally different story. He totally reframes the conversation. He says, this isn't about choosing the Jew team or the Gentile team or the Pharisee team or the covenant team or the Catholic team or the Republican team or the Democrat team. Uh, he reframes the conversation. And what I want to invite you, uh, 2 Corinthians is one um, retelling of this, is one explanation of this uh, from somebody named Paul who's inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, to, to write these words. And we're invited, as all human beings, all people are invited to uh, decide what story we're going to believe about the world. Because the story that you believe about the world, uh, it defines how you live in it. Uh, and so we get to decide if we think this is true. And, and in my experience, um, when it comes to this story, a lot of times we have to decide, 
again tomorrow morning that we really believe this story is true. Uh, and so I want to encourage you, uh, because I think the evil one is crafty. Uh, the evil one's really good at uh, taking our good intentions and our hopes and our dreams and our friendships and all the good things that we have and twisting and using them uh, to uh, uh, run us off in the wrong direction. So I think it's really important as Christians that we're always coming back to what is the true story of the world and refusing to join um, the other options out there. So I'm just going to look at 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, and it, it's been on my mind because it's just been like uh, God has just been grabbing me by the neck with this all week. On, on Sunday, uh, a week ago, before all the crazy stuff happened and just all the regular crazy stuff was going on, um, this scripture came to mind and it's just hit me again and again and again. Uh, and so we're going to read it together. Um, I encourage you sometimes to read the, the beginning, too, of chapter 5. It's really good. Um, uh, leading up to that, uh, Paul in that uh, chapter 5, he's kind of explaining why he and other apostles are willing to put themselves at risk for the sake of the message that they're preaching. Um, why it's okay with them that it's not resulting in, um, in wealth and fame and worldly success. Um, he, he talks about how um, that the bodies that they live in are temporary. We read the beginning of 1 Corinthians 5 um, in funerals a lot. He talks about how the bodies that they live in are temporary, and the pains in our bodies now and the worries in our bodies now, they point to something bigger. They point to the resurrection and the kingdom of God. Uh, but, but here we go. Uh, chapter 5, verse 11. Um, it says this, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too, Paul says, because we understand our responsibility, and we're going to learn more about what Paul and Christian's responsibility is later, but because they understand their responsibility to God, they work hard to persuade others about who God is. Uh, it continues, uh, are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we're giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer to those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than a sincere heart. In verse 13, Paul writes, If it seems that we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, then it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. And, and this, is, this is why, this is really important, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that he died, uh, that we have all died to our old life. Because we believe that Christ died for all, we believe that we have died to our old life, the old way of looking at the world. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Paul says, because Christ died for me uh, and for us, we've died to our old way of living, to the old way of succeeding, to the old way of, of choosing uh, who is the best. And instead, we live for Christ because we've been raised with Christ. He continues in verse 16. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We've stopped looking at people the way the world looks at people and how differently we know uh, Christ now. He says, he says, so we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, and now how differently we look at him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God. 
who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. He says, if you belong to Christ, the old person that's bound by the way that the world looks at things, the way that the world draws battle lines, the way that the world decides who's good or evil, that that debate of which team are you going to choose is it's over because you're, you're dead. That life is gone. What you have now is a new forever life. And anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. And all of this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. He's given us a job. He's given Paul a job. He's given all Christians a job. And the job is this. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So the world, uh, the battle of the world, the most important conflicts of the world aren't about who's right or who's wrong or who I agree with, who I disagree with, who's my friend, who's my enemy. Uh, the, The main task, according to Paul, for all Christians in the whole world is a task of reconciling of reconciling people to God. Because, uh, Paul says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He means in Christ, God brought the world back, is healing the relationship, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We're his representatives. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ, Paul says, and his message is this, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The world, as we've talked about, and and by that, uh, I don't just uh, mean other people or people that I don't like or that I disagree with. I mean, All human beings, the world, human beings are broken and corrupted and messed up by sin. And if you have a a smartphone or a TV or a newspaper and you were paying attention to it this last week, you know that's true. Um, And frankly, if you've been paying attention to it for the last however many years you're alive, you know that that's true, right? Human beings are corrupted and messed up by sin. If you've been paying attention in your own family, you know that that's true. Uh, But because of that, Christ died for all. Therefore, we have died to the old life. He died so that those who receive him will live for Christ. The old life is gone. It's over. Those battle lines are done. The new life has begun. God has given us the task, the job, the one job of reconciling people to him. So come back to God. That's what Paul says to the the church in Corinthians, I believe that God wants to say that to us now. Do you see how God tells the story differently than the the quote-unquote world does? There is a problem. You're right to be desperate, to be afraid. There is evil and pain and wrong in the world, but the problem isn't... uh, them, whoever uh, you choose to call them, whoever the enemy is to you, the problem is, is, is in us. The call is coming from inside the house. Paul says that problem, it's in me. It, it was in me. Paul says you've sinned. I've sinned. We are the bad guys, <laughs> the evil people. We're the problem. We're all in need of reconciliation with God. Paul says, and the Bible reminds us that we've all been alienated from good, 
from knowing what's right, from knowing what's true, from doing the right thing. We've been alienated from what's good. We've been alienated from God, and we've been alienated from others. But Christ died for all of us so that we can die to that life of alienation, so we can come back to God. If we do, uh, we're told that that way of thinking, that way of living, that way of choosing teams and acting and treating other people, it's gone. It's done. We can start a new life with Christ today as a new creation, a new man, a new woman, a new person. If we're new, and if we let uh, Christ make us new, then according to Paul, according to Scripture, we've got but one job— and that job is reconciler to others. People like to take our fear and our desperation and our desire for something better and the very real sin in the world and use it to convince us that if we join them, we can change it. That if we deal with the bad people, we can fix the world. But the story of Scripture says this, the truth of Scripture, the reality of the God that comes to earth says this, that God is already making a new world. He's already saved the world. And the only question is, will we let him make us new? And will we live to invite others back to becoming new too? You are invited to be made new. I am invited to be made new. Will I accept? Because in Christ, the world changed once and for all. And our one job, our one job is to help people come back. And every action that we take, every work that we do, every relationship that we have, every conversation, every text message, every Facebook post uh, should at least in some way have that in the back of our heads. How does this help somebody find reconciliation with God? Does it contribute to that or does it stand in the way of that? I, I preached about this a few months ago and I, and I said, maybe you remember, that there are only two kinds of people in the world. There are only two teams. It's not the Packers and the Broncos and the Democrats and the Republicans. It's those who have accepted the gift of reconciliation with God and those who were supposed to invite back into reconciliation with God. Those who've accepted the gift of reconciliation with God, and those who God longs to welcome back into his family. To use a, a Bible metaphor, there are only prodigal sons who have come back home, and sons who are still yet sleeping in pig pens. God has already changed the world. The question is, will we let him change us. So today, I want to invite you uh, here online, wherever you're joining with us, if you're listening to us on a Tuesday morning while washing the dishes, wherever you are, I want to invite you with the same invitation that's been extended to me and each individual human being. You are invited to be reconciled with the God who made you. The way that you do that, one way to do that is, is by admitting your own sin and evil, admitting that when you look at your own life hard enough, you realize that the call, it really is coming from inside the house by confessing your failure, my failure to live up to all that we should be. 
by putting your faith in the God who sent his own son to live and die and rise again on your behalf, and by inviting the Holy Spirit to transform you into a new person. And so I want to pr- invite you that you can do that with a prayer. We're going to do that together. I'm going to invite you to do that wherever you're at. You're, uh, w- if you're walking the dog at 11 o'clock on a Thursday night, uh, if you're uh, sitting an exact week from now watching the DVD uh, in your home at 10 a.m. on Sunday the 17th, wherever you are, I want to invite you to pray this with me. Would you, would you pray with me? Lord God, I am a sinner. I've failed. I'm not right. I need your help. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die and rise on my behalf and that his resurrection can make me new. And I want to invite you to transform me by the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name, amen. If Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.